Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. Today is a wonderful day, isn't it? It's just beautiful outside. Hey, give thanks for that. New thought, the greatest story never told. Preparing lessons is a very interesting thing. About 10 days ago, or maybe less, I had zero clue what to talk about today. Completely drawing a blank, I was like, I don't know what to talk about. There's a lot of things you could talk about. You can open up any book, pick a subject, you know, and, and take off, but that's kind of like not the way it works for me. I just seem usually to get some kind of a little nudge or something that says, why don't we talk about this? And I say, okay, we can do that. And so <clears throat> nothing was nudging me. However, there is this one recurring thought in my mind that keeps coming back and back that I feel I need to keep addressing because I think it's pretty important. And not so much maybe for you guys, although it's, it's a review, so it's not a bad thing. But for a lot of people, like who read the article, and that we're trying to reach out to people who are not too familiar with New Thought ideas or Unity ideas, and also for the people who, Manisha's got me on podcasts, so the people who hear the podcast, I'm trying to get out to them as well. And that recurring thought is the general view or understanding of religion in America, in Western civilization. And by religion, I am referring to the subject of spirituality though there is a difference between the two. I think people in unity understand this difference. Religion is more about dogmatic structure than about the ways of spirit. In fact, religion is willing to forego the ways of spirit in favor of the ways of the law. This is why there are no women priests in the Catholic Church, because law is more important than spirit, but that's the way it is. Also, this is what brings religions to fight among themselves. And what brought Jesus to tell us that, make it very clear to us how important the letter of the law and the spirit of the law was when he was criticizing the Pharisees. Some time back, I used this quote from Jonathan Swift, Gulliver's Travels, and I think it, repairs, it bears repeating. He said, we have just enough religion to hate but not in love to love. It's no wonder atheism is on the rise. This is how many people see religion. I think Jesus' distinction between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law is really, really big. And why is that? Because at the most basic level, it is distinguishing form effect from the formless, from cause. It is a reminder to us to be more mindful of cause of source, as Dyer keeps saying, calls it source. I like that. In, I, in our society, we tend to put way too much emphasis on the outer and not on the inner. And that is what we need to remember. And, and, what, and remember, what is our guide? What is our motive? Is it the outer or is it the inner? As a philosophy major, I think about the general understanding about God and man and the relationship of God and man quite a bit. I don't know if I've told you, but when I was in college, my, my goal was to be a college professor That's in philosophy. That's what I wanted to do. But then, you know, things just kind of went a different direction. I didn't end up doing that. 
But here it is sometime later, and I come across Unity, and I see that it's, gosh, it's almost like being a college professor in metaphysics, you know? So I, I kind of maybe found my home after all. That worked out pretty well. Seriously, though, much of the studying that I do that I want to do to become a Unity minister is because I want to share this good news, the real good news, the one that wasn't really told with everybody. I want to get these ideas out there in the ether, as Fillmore would have said some time back, for those people who are listening and who are reading the article and stuff. So in summary, what is the difference between the unity model of the Christian movement and the traditional view of the Christian model? I can tell you without a doubt that the major, and it's the major difference and the major problem with traditional understanding has to do what is called a paradigm of separation. It is a view of the universe in which we are separate from God, from one another. I am God, God is God, I am me, you are you, heaven is heaven, the earth is earth, everything is separate. That's the paradigm of separation. And tradition is based upon this. This is why we have problems, because they said we've been separated from God. And in unity, we, we teach that, well, that's not even possible. If God is everywhere, how, how, how does this thing even work? Science used to have the same understanding of the universe, that things were separate. But now with quantum physics, with new science, they're realizing things are not separate at all. Nothing is separate from anything. Everything is connected. So that's interesting that science is coming around to this view and religion has not yet. Spirituality has, but religion hasn't. That's another distinction there. Another problem with traditional understanding of the universe as opposed to the new thought is that the view that there is an opposing force at work here in this world, one who is fighting for our soul. This is a confusing view if you take into account the idea or the premise that God is everywhere and all-powerful, because I'm not a math whiz, but it seems pretty clear to me that God is all-powerful or is not all-powerful. There's really no in-betweens. It's like the Bible says, the, the water, the, the bitter and the sweet water cannot come from the same fountain. This is the same idea. I've said it before, but it's very important. And in unity, in fact, we teach that there is only one presence and one power in the universe. Only one. Now, for you philosophy majors out there, like me, whoever's listening out there, uh, and are questioning everything that comes up, you know, down to the smallest detail, and I can certainly understand that and appreciate that, because I do, uh, that statement about there is only one presence, one power, was made for the idea of getting you to the attention that there is not an opposing force in the universe. Now, philosophically, if you're keeping track, it does present a little bit of a problem in, in the sense that if they're really, literally that's the case, then the philosophical question comes up, well, what about my presence and my power? I thought I had a certain amount of power. And, and the answer to that would be to, and I read this somewhere, and it's interesting, another philosophy guy, is to insert ultimate in front of that. There is only one ultimate presence and one ultimate power in the universe. Now, that might sound like I'm being a stickler for details and words, but we do teach that words are important. So yes, there may be, there is certainly a lot of apparent manifestation 
to the contrary, to suggest that there is an opposing force. But what we teach in unity is that that is a simply a misuse of the power. It's what it is. It's the same thing as using electricity to make dinner or using electricity to fry a criminal. Same power, different use, a misuse. Now, there is another problem with tradition that, that unity does not pursue or new thought does not uh, advocate whatsoever, and that is what they call the message of the cross, which is a view that God was in need of a sacrifice to make amends with God. Now, as I've said before, if God needed something, then God is lacking something, and that makes no sense whatsoever. The truth is that these ideas come from what is called Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism, it's even a hard word to say. It was an ancient way of seeing the universe and our world and God. Now, for the record, I am not being critical of tradition. I, you know, there's no point in doing that. What I'm saying, I'm just making an observation, and I think that there is a difference between that. Because I'm coming from the perspective of, where do we get these ideas, these traditional ideas? about a devil and all these, all these ideas about a sacrifice and stuff. And once you start to study it more, it becomes pretty clear. As I said, if you look into the characteristics of Zoroasterism, it was a religion that was in place in that area for 500 years prior to Jesus. Very well known, very well established ideas. And some of the ideas in there are an Adam and an Eve. They have a different name, but the same thing. Started from two people that the world is a spiritual battleground between two opposing forces, that there is a three-tiered universe. There is heaven, earth, and hell, that the resurrection of the body, the idea of a Messiah, the virgin birth, the, uh, the, 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 birth, the birth of their prophet on December 25th, the list goes on and on and on. So you see that these ideas were already out there. They didn't make them up. They didn't really belong to Christianity, actually. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, as a metaphysics teacher, I need, think I need to share that with you. It's very important. So today's lesson is called New Thought, The Greatest Story Never Told. And that was kind of a play on words, sort of, because it was the longer version would be The Greatest Story Never Told About the Greatest Story Ever Told. So it's our interpretation of that story, in other words. Now, New Thought has an alternative way of seeing the Christian model. Now, that's a funny thing to say. That's an ironic statement, actually, because we think we represent a return to the teachings and the life of Jesus as opposed to the interpretation of Paul that he had about Jesus. So in that sense, we are the Christian model. So it is not tradition. We, we're not the aberration. Tradition is. Now listen to this quote from um, this book, which I recommend. I need to get some copies and have them here. It's called New Thought, A Practical American Spirituality by Alan Anderson and Deborah Whitehouse. That's his wife. This is the quote that it says, New Thought is what all Christianity could have become it had, if it had been able to avoid the stool-to-find tendencies needed to become a religion capable of competing 
with the other outlooks for the title of official religion of the Roman Empire. It is what Christianity could have become if it had allowed freedom of belief, concentrating on following the loving, healing example of Jesus rather than developing a rigid superstructure about Jesus. I think that's very well said, Alan. Thank you very much. If we can just clear up what the heck stultifying means, and you know, don't feel bad. I had to look it up, say, stultifying? Who knows these words? It means this, <laughs> cause to lose enthusiasm and initiative, especially as a result of tedious or restrictive routine. Or this one, to cause someone to appear foolish or absurd. So that would be the stultifying tendencies. What he is saying that is that if we had stuck to what Jesus was saying and doing, Christianity would have looked much more like New Thought does now. But instead, we took the other route and we followed the ways of St. Paul and his interpretation of what Christianity was. After all, Paul was his biggest advocate and the one that really, we, have to, we do owe that to Paul. If it wasn't for Paul, Christianity probably, as they said, would have become another a Jewish sect and just probably just gone off into the you know, Never Never Land or whatever like all the rest of them did. The New Thought Movement was born in the mid-late 1800s, mid to late 1800s or so, and it has its roots here in America. That's why this book, it says, A Practical American Spirituality. Now, what brought forth this New Thought Movement? Well, the same thing that brings forth most anything. Several things come, well, two or several things come together, and we have fertile ground, and this, is, this new thing spawns. So what were these fertile conditions that brought new thought into existence? You know, we all have two parents. Well, new thought really had three. It, we had, they had religion, which in this case, and it was America, and it was, you know, in the east, in the eastern coast in New England. So that would be Christianity, of course. And they had science, and that was the scientific revolution, which was just brand new, I mean, just within 100 years of Newtonian physics and stuff. And then there was transcendentalism. That was the other parent. And that reached its peak at about the mid-1800s, primarily influenced by Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. These were the elements in play and the setting of the world consciousness that it was just coming out of the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages not too terribly long ago. And at that point, religion in the church is still very much the authority on knowledge on everything in the universe. Then along comes scientific revolution, uh, spearheaded by Sir Isaac Newton and the discovery of the laws of physics, and that changed. Because, as I said, the church was the authority at that point on all matters regarding the universe. You have a question about the universe, its workings? Ask the church. They know it all. Along comes Newton, and he comes up with these physics, these formulas, and all this way of seeing things scientifically. And it had, turns out that it has nothing to do with God. It's strictly a mechanical physics. That's why it's called mechanical physics. That's what they call it. The Newtonian physics, mechanical physics, same thing. How things work in the macro world. 
He finally concluded, the whole up that point of view concluded that really only matter matters. There is no need for God to have this in the picture. But so we have that view. But the people who were more spiritually minded were thinking, well, wait a minute, hold it. Uh, if there are physical laws in this universe, then perhaps there are spiritual laws as well. And so they started realizing very quickly that, for example, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Is it saying the same thing as what you reap that you sow? And I said, well, that's interesting. So the idea of spiritual laws was born. Just listen to the names of the early New Thought movements, and you'll understand why they had this tie. Christian science, divine science, science of mind. They put the two together. They said, we can make sense of religion almost in a scientific way. It is as predictable as science is, in other words. This is where they were coming from. And there was one other very, very radical notion that came into play for the New Thought movement. And that is, again, transcendentalism. Because up to this point, some 1,800 years or whatever, that the understanding of everybody on the planet, pretty well, at least Western civilization, was that Jesus was the only son of God, the only one. And then along comes transcendentalism and Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he says, the greatest revelation is that God is in every man. So now all of a sudden, these people are saying, God is in every one of us, not just Jesus. How is that even possible? If he's everywhere, that he's only in this one being and not in anybody else. So you put those three things together and you get the birth of the New Thought movement. There is actually one more thing that took place that helped evolve this. And that is what the work of Dr. Mesmer was doing in France. And you've heard the word mesmerize. Well, mesmerize comes from the word, from, from the word, from the name of Dr. Mesmer. And he was working on the power of the mind. He was hypnotizing people. That's why we say mesmerize. And he was trying to find out what was in our heads. Well, P.P. Quimby, which is basically the father of the New Thought movement over here in America, picked up on this work and he started developing how the power of the mind, what it had to do with our thoughts, or our, how we manifested things. And the one thing that New, New Thought really, really brought forth that nobody ever had was to put all these things together and to say that this power of the mind gave us the capacity to heal ourselves. This was very interesting. Nobody ever put those things together and said, but you can heal yourself because the power of the mind. It is mind over matter. This was very big. And if you remember, not too, too long ago, I did a lesson from Dr. Bruce Lipton called The Biology of Beliefs. And in that lesson, now we are scientifically verifying that, in fact, your thoughts can alter your body. They can alter it. This, is becoming, this has become a scientific fact. 
And that's why there's more uh, integrative type medicine. That's why there's music therapy, things like that, because we're finally understanding the power that we have to heal ourselves. And this is the foundation of the New Thought movement, as you know. Myrtle healed herself. This is all very, very fundamental to what we believe in New Thought. Einstein said that um, we have two ways of looking at this thing. It's just like part of the Newtonian physics matters only matter thing was also that it gave us, put us in, in a role, in a position of being victims of the universe. In other words, because matter is in control of things, according to that point of view, then we really don't have any control over things. We don't have any control over our DNA. We don't have any control over any of these things. So we are victims. And along comes new thought, and now scientific revolution, the new science, and so that's not the case at all. You are in charge of this show, of your own show. And so that changed a lot. In fact, I was just listening to uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer recently, and uh, you know, he says that, like everything else, we're kind of mixed up, we're upside down in how we see things. Because, as you know, we primarily see ourselves as bodies with spirits, and we're actually spirits with bodies. That, that little flip-flop changes everything because it's, now you have a new starting point. I'm not the body in search of something. I am something already, and I'm just here in this body because I want to use this life to manifest, to express myself, and to share in this manifest world. So that's our new starting point. And Dyer says that just like that we're backwards on that, he says we're backwards on this too because everybody sees, says, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. That's what everybody says. And he says, it's backwards. It's the other way around. He says, you'll see it when you believe it. You must believe first. And then you see. And see, this is consistent with what it is that we teach because... Even the Bible says, and the word became flesh. So there was, first there was the word. First there is the thought, the vibration of this, whatever it is, consciousness, that it is. I don't have a clue what it is. And nobody else, nobody knows what consciousness is. But whatever it is, it creates these thoughts. And then the thoughts take on form. They bring all these molecules and stuff together. And I was in that same thing I was listening to, uh, to Dyer, he was talking about Max Planck. Max Planck is the, the father of quantum physics. And when he received his Nobel Prize in quantum physics, he told everybody, you know, as strange as this might sound, the fact is there is no such thing as matter per se. He said, this is a the greatest physicist of the time. He says, there's something else behind this. We must assume that there is this force, this intelligent mind of some sort behind everything. Because matter is really not anything per se. And that's really changing everything. So that is what we create. Our thoughts create our reality. So, I want to finish this lesson with this one other thought by, by Wayne Dyer. He says, when you change the way you see things, the things you see change. 
This is fundamental to new thought. It's up there in the marquee. Change your, li- change your li- world, tw- change your mind, change your world. So he says, when you change the way you see things, the things you see change. So you know what? If you don't like what you're seeing, then change the way you see it. Have a good day.